You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nahumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another great edition of JM Sunday. Matas Weingast with you. It is Sunday, the 16th day in the month of December, third day in the month of Teves, and we are here with you on JM Sunday. It is 7.06 in the morning on the East Coast of the United States, Eastern Standard Time, and we have a great show in store for you today. Let's see what's up. First of all, Happy Hanukkah, again, eighth day of Hanukkah, last day. Hope you had a very enjoyable Shabbos and a very enjoyable uh, Hanukkah during the past week. Coming up at 7.30, Morning Chizuk with Rabbi Goldwasser. And following Morning Chizuk, we will be joined in studio. We are expecting the mayor of Elizabeth, New Jersey, the Honorable J. Christian Bolwage. We'll be discussing different things with him. And uh, coming up later on in the show, we should have our correspondent from Israel, Hannah Levy-Julian will be talking about the goings-on in Israel this week. And uh, lots of great Hanukkah music. That's what we're doing. That's going to be the, the biggest, biggest chunk of, uh, of what we're doing on JM Sunday today. And uh, we're going to get right to that in just a couple of seconds. Uh, I, uh, I hope, as I said, that you all had an enjoyable Hanukkah. And uh, we are very thankful that you are here with us this morning. Uh, if you have any questions for the mayor, if you live in Elizabeth or the environs, and, uh, or if you live any place, you have a question for a, uh, for a, a large city mayor, uh, and a mayor in New Jersey, feel free to uh, send me an email at uh, matis at nachomsiegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S, at nachomsiegel.com, and we'll be more than happy to uh, get your question over to the mayor, and uh, we already have a few questions that came in from some listeners overnight, so we'll be getting to those. So we're going to go right to the music, because that is what is most enjoyable here, of course, and uh, it is Hanukkah, so we're going to start off with Al Hanisim. Here is the Amude Sheish Orchestra with Al Hanisim. <laughs> Thank you. 
music. Schmelke's Nigan album. Wow, that goes back a long, long way. Eli Zamek with uh, Yevonim. That is a, a song from a long time ago. Um, and uh, we heard it right here on JM Sunday. Coming up, uh, uh, it's about 7.30. <clears throat> coming up in just a few seconds, Rabbi Goldwasser. But uh, let me just give you a, a rundown of what we heard so far today. We uh, began with Moda'ani, of course, followed by Al-Hanissim from the Amud Orchestra, Light from Avraham Freed, Kol Zimra from the um, Kol Zimra and Sam Glazer album, Hanukkah Anthem. By the way, I believe today is Sam Glazer's birthday, so if you see him today, please wish him a happy birthday. Followed by the Yeshiva Boys Choir with the Yavanim from the Hanukkah album, Follow the Light from Effie Lowinger, the Ahava album, and, of course, as I mentioned, Eli Zamek with Yavanim. Mata Swine guest with you on the eighth day of Hanukkah, JM Sunday. It is the 16th of December, third day in the month of Teves, 5773, 74th Daf in Shabbos for those following Daf Yomi. We welcome you here to JM Sunday. We are expecting to have the Mayor of Elizabeth join us in the uh, next half hour. So we look forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, we will go to morning chizuk, as always, heard on jam between uh, Sunday and Thursday mornings. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. The Talmud Yerushalmi tells us that Hashem affixes his name to Klal Yisrael. It's a marshal to a king who had a key to unlock the door to his palace. He said to himself, if I keep it just as it is, it's going to be lost. I'll attach a chain to it, and it will never be misplaced. So to Hashem said, if I leave B'nai Yisrael on their own, they're going to vanish among the nations. They will lose their identity. I'll attach my great name to them. We learn that of all the kalim, all of the sacred vessels, the menorah, was the difficult one for Moshe to understand. Why, out of all the other kalim, did Moshe Rabbeinu have a problem specifically with the menorah? The Chavetz Chaim explained that each of the kalim in the Beis Hamikdash alluded to some higher aspect. The Aron HaKodesh, the Holy Ark, was that there was a higher form of wisdom that could be attained by means of nevuah of prophecy. The Shulchan, was a bracha for Parnassa, livelihood, and for food that would only be attained through the blessings of Hashem. The Menorah represented the Kiyuma Nitzchi, the eternal existence of Klal Yisrael. When Moshe Rabbeinu, through Nevoah, saw all the suffering, the trials and tribulations that Bnei Yisrael would experience, he could not understand the eternal existence of the Jew. Therefore Hashem said, Throw the gold into the fire. The menorah then appeared. Hashem was showing Moshe Rabbeinu that fire refines, that the menorah emerged whole from the fire. Klal Yisrael is who we are today, not in spite of the trials and tribulations, but because of them. They have refined us and taken us to a higher level and made us a people. That's why the menorah was chosen to reveal the miracle of Hanukkah. At the time of the Chashmonoim, 
We were living in our darkest hours. We needed great siyata dishmaya, heavenly assistance. It was that little pach shemen, the little cruise of oil, that kept the menorah going and symbolized the promise of Nitzchias, the eternal Jew. May the message of the menorah continue to light a path for us through this dark golos, and may we soon see the dawn of the promised redemption, the Geula Shalema Bimhera. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik, with best wishes for a very happy and meaningful Hanukkah. Go about 165 BCE. I people living in Judah. They was dwelling in Judah. But totally couldn't be free. Yeah. Hey, it's got to be free. Then the Syrian king they tried to change all the ways. All our ways. The way we eat and we dress. Don't tell a man how to eat. The way we study and pray.
That was music by uh, Avodah Shabalev here on JM Sunday. This is Matas Weingast with you on a Sunday morning. It is the uh, third day in the Hebrew month of Tevet. It's the 16th day in the month of December. 5773 in the Hebrew calendar, 2012 in the English calendar. And it is the eighth day in the month of, in the month. It's the eighth day in the holiday of Hanukkah. We lit the eighth candle last night. All eight candles were lit and bright. And uh, today is the eighth day, finishing up this evening. Thank you to Rabbi Goldwasser for uh, joining us on Morning Chizuk at 7.30 and a bunch of music that we uh, that we just heard. Well, those of you who have been long-time listeners to JM and the AM uh, know that Nachum Siegel and I kid around with each other whenever we get together, and uh, especially on the air during our fundraising marathon. Nachum always kids me that uh, I was the mayor of Elizabeth. Now, in fact, what happened was there was, when I was in high school, there was a Youth in Government Day, and uh, our school, the JEC, was chosen uh, in a particular year, went through rotation, to host uh, the mayor 
and to pick somebody as mayor. And I was chosen that day to be mayor. So I was mayor for a day in Elizabeth, New Jersey. But I have to tell you that uh, we are honored uh, this morning here on JM Sunday to be joined by the real mayor of Elizabeth, New Jersey, the Honorable J. Christian Bowage. Good morning, Mayor Bowage. Good morning, Matt. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's uh, bright and early. Uh, where we are here at least 7.30 around the world, where we have listeners all over the place. Uh, there are different time zones, but thank you again for, for joining us this morning. And congratulations, I think this is now, you're going to be beginning your sixth term. You were just reelected? On January 1st, I'll begin my sixth term, and the vote, I thank the voters of the city of Elizabeth for their faith in, in putting me back into office. Absolutely. Uh, if, if you had to pick one thing in the last six terms, uh, in the last five terms that stand out, what would it be off the top of your head? Well, one thing, I guess it would be the last month uh, with the Hurricane Sandy. We never were hit by anything like that on, on a d- very difficult couple-of-week period here in the city of Elizabeth. But no matter how bad we are in the city of Elizabeth, there are people at the Jersey Shore that are suffering much worse than we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. We'll talk about the hurricane shortly. I, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't discuss for a, a couple of moments what happened on Friday, the tragedy, tremendous tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut, with the, uh, with the shooting in the, uh, you know, everybody knows by now, the shooting in the, uh, in the elementary school, uh, 20 children, seven adults that were, were killed. You know, we don't know the full story. There are going to be people out there telling us everything uh, about it in the next days and weeks, but you know, certainly our hearts go out to the families there. It's just unspeakable and it's unimaginable. During this holiday season, if you are a parent or even if you're not a parent, you really have a very difficult time comprehending and understanding why anybody would ever do this. When you look at the six- and seven-year-old kids, uh, somebody put across Twitter, how do I write an obituary for one six-year-old child? And then again, how do I write 20 of them? It's really a tragedy, especially during the Hanukkah season, and then we're moving into Christmas and a new year. This is a time for family. This is a time when parents hug their children. And I have to tell you, when I heard that break on Friday, uh, my daughter gets home from school at about 3, 3 o'clock, 3.05. I think I called her about four times between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. She was with her mother, and I called home just to see how she was doing. And, and she then says, Daddy, why are you calling so much today? And I, it's really – I said, I just wanted to talk to you to see how you're doing in your homework and then, and then when I got home later that night, of course you give her a little extra hug, and right. uh, it's it's really difficult. It's I, I got to tell you, I've read a lot of things in the news or saw things in newspapers or on t- television in my life, but I don't think there's anything more tragic than this. Uh, and it's just very difficult to comprehend why this happens in society. Absolutely, and it's something that I guess we'll have to look towards and see if it can be. Uh you know, if anybody can catch why it happens or to prevent such a thing. I mean, thank God it, it doesn't mitigate it, but it, it's not a very, you know, common occurrence, uh, but yet uh, it is it is tremendous. But yeah, but unfortunately it's becoming, uh, occurrences like this overall are becoming more, you know, you look at Littleton, Colorado, or you look at right. you know, in, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas over the years, and then you look at Columbine, and, and you just wonder, why people choose to slaughter innocents uh, in order to deliver some message and then kill themselves in some situations. There's there's uh, a debate in this country that really needs to happen, and and that debate is about guns. I mean, if you look at the country of Japan, uh, Japan doesn't have any guns. They don't have homicides by weapons. And, you know, 
uh, everybody harps back to the Second Amendment and, you know, the right to bear arms. But keep in mind, when the Second Amendment was written, everybody had a musket. Uh, right. I'm, I'm really true. in favor. If people want to just have muskets, that's that's okay. But these automatic weapons in the hands of people who are not mentally stable or balanced or automatic weapons in the hands of anybody, there's only one purpose for an automatic weapon, and that's to kill another human being. It's not. There's no other purpose for an automatic weapon. It's right. not like you're going out and hunting. Uh, nobody wants to stop the hunters. Or nobody wants to stop uh, those folks. But let me tell you, automatic weapons in the hands of people. You know, the NRA takes the position that uh, weapons don't kill people. People kill people. But, but i got to tell you, if there were no weapons in this person's house, would this have happened on that Friday? might have made it much more difficult and uh, certainly... You know, who, who knows? But what's interesting is, as I'm sure you've read, again, we don't know all the facts, but apparently the guns belonged to his mother, and they were perfectly legal, and uh, she taught him how to shoot. But again, you know, there's so much that can go on about this. You're right in terms of the uh, uh, of the ability to, to carry out a mass destruction like this when you have access to those weapons, and it will be a big debate. Certainly it will continue. Uh, anything uh, happening in the city here in terms of security over the next couple of days? I mean, Again, this doesn't happen often, but people are attuned to it more. Uh, will there be any discussion in the, in the schools? Will there be extra security? Will there be counseling available, things like that? You know, I asked, I asked my daughter's uh, teacher uh, what, would, what would happen in her school. Would there be a, uh, you know, and basically I think people are in shock as far as what they're planning for Monday. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure in the Elizabeth School System, not only the – uh, pro, not only uh, the non-parochial schools, but the parochial schools at JEC as well. If there's any need for conversation, that will happen. And as you know, as a member of the JEC, we constantly monitor the schools and the synagogues when things like this happen. We also put people near the churches on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We just kind of step things up. But, right. you know, we just hope there's no copycat kooks out there that are going to do anything in order in order to be similar. Right, uh, exactly, because you never know what will trigger no pun intended, but it'll trigger people to to just, just jump on that bandwagon and try to try to do something. Of course, it's extremely important, and uh, you know we we our hearts go out to them and we wish them well. It, it's uh, I heard this morning I was watching some of the uh, or I was listening to some of the coverage and some of the parents of children who were killed, uh, who were murdered, uh, actually came out almost immediately and and you know spoke about their children. Where I guess that helps the grieving process start, but it was amazing to hear them and how, how they seemed to be quite strong, you know, relatively speaking, of course. Uh, but they came out, they wanted the people, uh, wanted the world to know what their children were like, who their children were, and, and that is, I'm sure, very important to them. I agree. Uh, well, we are in holiday time, as you as you said, and it's a, it's a tough transition to go from, from that story to the holiday time. But uh, the, uh, the holiday of Hanukkah. We just uh, today is the last day of Hanukkah. I know that you were involved in a number of different uh, events during this past week. I saw you at the uh, Hatzalah Hanukkah gathering on Monday night, and you were at the candle lighting, the city candle lighting uh, program, which you said has been taking place for about 20 years now already. You know, it's great to be the mayor in the city. You get to go to all the Christmas tree lightings. You get to go to the Hanukkah. Lightings, I was going to ask you that. You that, that must be cookies, one of the best. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, you get the cookies, and uh, even here, your wife is doing a great job right now cooking. <laughs> For the entire school, for the administrative staff, she was right, telling me, school, and this yes. staff and for school. So it's it's good to be the mayor at this time of year. <laughs> and uh, now that Hanukkah's over, 
uh, you know, Christmas will be on Bonus, and I'll right. be I'll be doing that. But we light the Hanukkah candles uh, with Rabbi Kanelsky yes. and uh, the Bris Aver home, and he brings the kids in to sing some songs. Nice. Uh, the dreidel song yeah. is is one that the kids sing and they right. twirl themselves around, <laughs> right. right? And it's really fun. And my birthday always occurs either in the beginning or usually in the beginning of Hanukkah. Ah. So Rabbi Kanelsky brings a cake in for nice. me, and I'm not so sure whether it's the year 5773 or 2012 when he sings <laughs> Happy Birthday, but I have a lot of fun with it. I can That's tell you nice. That. So Happy Birthday. Thank you. And Rabbi Kanelsky, make sure the cake he gives me is kosher. Of course, of course. <laughs> Rabbi Kanelsky is a great friend of JM and the AM and uh, of our shows. He's been on for many, many years talking about the wonderful work that Bruce Avram does and uh, in general in the community. I know it's a community-wide celebration of Hanukkah. And if you go on the uh, the city's website, I believe there are pictures posted already of that celebration. And I think he's hold, I see someone holding that cake. Now I understand why there was a cake. I think it was like a, a brownish-colored cake or caramel yeah, it, color. Well, it was. I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of Jewish folks trying to figure out why is the mayor getting a cake right. on Hanukkah because it's not part of the normal tradition. Exactly. I was looking at that. Now I understand. That makes perfect sense. So we wish you a happy birthday. Is that a, a state secret? That yeah, no, when it's your a, birthday it's actually December is? 7th, actually. Oh, so... Which uh, that's the, a, the first or second, the, the day just the day before the beginning of Hanukkah. So. Right, excellent. Yeah, yes, that, that was on a Friday. Right? right. Yeah. So it was the it was the day before the first night right. of Hanukkah. So congratulations on that. Uh, when it comes time to to holiday season, the presents are given and whatnot. Is a is a, do you get something for your staff, or we we can't really talk about oh, that? No, no, uh, we, we uh, my immediate staff we swap gifts in nice. uh, in city hall, and uh, we also have. Uh, a tradition of lunches, and all of the restaurants in the city of Elizabeth, I would say all, a majority of them, mm-hmm. uh, donate food to my office, which is December 19th this year, nice. and the city employees that are in the building or even those that work on the road come through the office for lunch, Beautiful. and I get to say hello and wish all of them a Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah, whatever Excellent. they're celebrating, and then the other departments break it down into smaller lunches on a different day. Right. So City Hall is going to eat well over the next uh, 10 days leading to, to Christmas. I have to mark that down. Make it sure should, the kosher yeah. restaurants I, contribute to that. I, I, I have to find Join out. you over there. I, I, I don't know how many kosher <laughs> restaurants contribute because, uh, you know, and, and, and the, some of the Jewish folks that are uh, – that are there. I keep saying I'm going to get kosher food next year, and I'm not so sure that's happening this year. So I, now that I'm on this radio show, I'm going to go back and check. You know what? To see if I, and I'm going to mark it down also. <laughs> we'll check on that, and we'll see it. That will be this Wednesday. So uh, if you, uh, you know, if you're participating there, it's going to be a fun time for sure. Uh, regarding the economy and, and the state of the economy that we're in, do you find that the local stores uh, have increased in sales in this holiday season? It seems to be, in general, that the sales are up and and the business is up. Is that true in yeah, here? Well, one of the things that we did in the city of Elizabeth in the beginning of my administration was convert the uh, landfill, our former dump, into the Jersey Gardens Mall. Yes. And we now have another hotel going up there. The Embassy Suites is under construction. When is that expected to open? Uh, probably sometime in 2014 or at the end of 2013. I believe uh, it might open at the end of 2013 because we have a Super Bowl here on uh, yeah, January 2014. Great timing. So all of these hotels are going to be filled sure. in order to deal with that issue. So with the Jersey Gardens opening, a lot of people said, well, this will kill your downtown areas. We've seen the reverse. We've seen uh, Broad Street and Elizabeth Avenue cater to the shopper who lives in Elizabeth who may not be able to travel as much. And we have less than a 4% vacancy rate on Broad Street and Elizabeth Avenue. And the Jersey Gardens Mall last year had 15 million 
uh, folks visit the mall. And during the whole year? During the whole wow. year. And folks at the mall tell me that sales are up this year, especially since yes. uh, what's traditionally been known as Black Friday. Right. Uh, we didn't open on Thanksgiving. The mall opened at midnight, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, there's no need to open on Thanksgiving. People, yeah. people should be celebrating with their families and enjoying going out shopping at Six in the afternoon on Thanksgiving is, takes away from the holiday itself, and from the the workers, the employees who are there. Right, it's, and you got you got to get employees in, and it's just it's just not fair to employees right. to drag them in that early. But you know, sometimes it's a gimmick, and people are trying to make all they can in uh, after the recession. But you know what? People are still going to shop because Christmas is a finite day, and Hanukkah is a finite day. We know exactly. when it's coming. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's on the calendar. Open at six o'clock on Thursday, Thanksgiving or not. But it, yeah. but the Jersey Gardens has been doing well, and uh, I'm excited to see that. Nice. There's an expression in, uh, in Hebrew: "Im kain ein sof." If so, there's no end to it. You know, you, you'll start the holiday shopping back in in the uh, in the July Fourth. Yeah, I know. I mean, my my you know, my wife, who's never that. passed a store that she didn't like, uh, <laughs> clearly would would find them whether they were open at six o'clock on Thanksgiving or not. Absolutely. And are, are there any particular incentives for uh, local shoppers here? I know there's certain sections of Elizabeth that are uh, at the three percent sales tax, which is right. a, a big incentive. It's actually three and a half percent. Three and a half percent, right? Because seven percent. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to correct you. It's just that if anybody's listening, they come and expect to pay three percent sales right. tax. I don't want them to hear they just they heard on your yes, radio right. show and then say. What were those two guys talking about? Right. So it's, uh, the, the current state of New Jersey sales tax is 7%, right. and uh, this is half of that right. in and, those and areas. And the Jersey so. Gardens Mall and uh, in most areas in Elizabeth, the shopping mm-hmm. areas, Elmore Avenue, Morris Avenue, Broad Street, Elizabeth Avenue, you pay 3.5% sales tax based right. on the urban enterprise zone benefit right. uh, that we were designated in the late 1990s. And that continues to help in sales here in the sure. state of Elizabeth, especially if you're buying big items or lots of items. As, as you know, clothes are not taxed at all in the right. city of Elizabeth but if you, it, or in the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're buying uh, big-ticket items, then 3.5% sales tax Absolutely. is a benefit. IKEA is part of that? IKEA that is area, part of it. IKEA also? is one of the, grossest, one of the largest grossest, uh, grossing stores in, in their chain. So they yeah. do extremely well, IKEA. So. And uh, across the street from IKEA is a Toys R Us right. superstore, and they do extremely well also. Fortunately... The storm, Superstorm Sandy, occurred about seven weeks ago before the real big sales holiday season. Otherwise, I can't imagine what it would be like. But I must say that uh, the response, and living in Elizabeth, I heard it firsthand. The response from the city and what I saw was tremendous as far as I'm concerned. I know there are people, I don't know if there are people still without power. There's still people affected no, even are, today. Uh, uh, there's some businesses at the waterfront that I think they're going to go up on Tuesday. There were some transformers that were damaged and they've been working on generators and they have to switch over but we've been working on that and we believe that'll be resolved on Tuesday but they they got back to business uh, I myself had did not have power for 11 days that's, that's right I think you were about nine days yeah you we, got a, uh, we actually were uh, from Monday night or su- Sunday night <coughs> until Friday morning oh so you only had five days right but then Friday we had power during the day Friday afternoon right before Shabbos we lost it and then got it back Saturday afternoon. And then, and I know, then and, and I guess that's that's a good thing for me because the members of the Jay's Jewish community weren't calling me on Shabbos to say <laughs> right, what happened to the power. Exactly. So, uh, well, they wouldn't be able to call you because exactly, it's Shabbos. And then you Shabbos, wouldn't they power. couldn't call me on Shabbos. But so. I, I must say, I was very impressed. Uh, besides seeing the, the trucks rolling 
constantly. The cleanup that was being done as the storm was going on, the troops, the, the trucks that were in here, the troops that were out from different uh, areas. We saw uh, Florida Power Company uh, trucks coming in along with the PSE&G. And you gave a, a shout-out every day. You had yeah, an auto dialer, yeah, right. sent out a message every day, and that was wonderful. You, yeah, one of the things that we did is I met with the emergency team on Monday morning of the storm. And I said, you know, there's nothing we can do to stop this storm. It's going to happen, and there's going to be destruction, and there's going to be devastation. And we don't know where or we don't know how much. So we need to be prepared to come Tuesday afternoon and moving forward to work as much as we can and as hard as we can in clearing the streets and making sure people have access. Uh, I worked with the superintendent of schools to close the schools for the whole week, which right. was done immediately, giving us access to the roads. And I, by the end of the week, all of the downed trees, unless there were wires running through the downed trees, we had them cleared. We were not allowed to remove the trees with wires in them because of whether the wire was alive or not. And PSE&G had to come there first. And that caused a lot of confusion because people would call PSE&G, and PSE&G would say, well, we're not coming out until the city moves the tree. But then as the mayor, PSE&G would be telling me, don't touch the trees if there's wires in it. Right. Uh, block it off. Do whatever you have to do. Don't let the people near it. So they were sending out conflicting messages, which caused difficulty for the constituents because then they'd call my house or my office and say, what's going on? And it was, for the most part, I, I would say 99% of the phone calls that I got were extremely supportive and, and sure. more inquisitive than critical. Uh, I didn't create the storm. You know, we tried, exactly. to, we tried to do the best to make sure that we were able to be on top of the cleanup. Mm -hmm. uh, PSE&G, all of these houses here were built at different times. Right. And I don't know the grid. Unfortunately, PSE&G doesn't know the grid. So the biggest frustration during the storm was not being able to tell the residents when and where PSE&G was working. They were working. Right. They were here. There were crews from out of state here. We all knew that. We saw their trucks. But when a specific neighborhood would come back online, we didn't know. There's 51,000 and change electrical customers in the city. Wow. The day after the storm, <laughs> 49,000 and change were without power. It's 8.04 in the morning here on JM Sunday in the East Coast. We are joined with... Uh, with us live in our in our studios by uh, Mayor Bowage of Elizabeth, New Jersey, and we're talking about the aftermath of Storm Sandy, Superstorm Sandy. I know that uh, FEMA came in uh, right FEMA, after FEMA, the FEMA storm. was extremely uh, uh, proactive. Mm -hmm. They came in. They set up an office in our fire headquarters. There's currently an office in Linden that may have closed by now. I'm not sure. I think uh, I saw something in the paper actually, where at least some of these centers. Or curtailing the hours Correct. now and the yeah, days. There was one, there was one in Springfield on. that was open. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, I had uh, imminent access to FEMA at any time. We, we did not have the damage, so we basically said to FEMA, you know, you could you'd be useful elsewhere. But, you know, FEMA sent teams of people in here knocking on doors. I was about and, to say that. And they canvassed the neighborhoods for anybody that had damage in, in rear yeah. yards that may not have. A house on my block on Coolidge Road, uh, two large trees fell on the back of the house and he had to get a crane in there and remove. He called us, but it was way too big for our equipment to help. So he had to get a he had to get a crane in there wow. and literally pick the trunks of the trees up over the house and then put it on Coolidge Road and cut it in pieces in order mm. to take it away. And and the guys that did it did a great job. Yeah. 
So I would imagine he's eligible for some type of FEMA reimbursement. But a lot of people have to know that you have to go through your homeowners first. Right. Because if you don't go through your homeowners uh, as well as FEMA, then FEMA will reject you. But you need to, you need to uh, go to your homeowners. A lot of people are finding things out about, the, about what FEMA can and can't do and what their insurance companies can and can't do. And there's a lot of uh, uh, complaints on the insur- for the insurance companies that they're not covering uh, much and... Uh, because it's, it wasn't a hurricane officially, uh, but some said that was a good thing because then the homeowner's deductible, the, the hurricane deductible didn't kick in, which apparently could be as much as 20% if it's a hurricane. But since it wasn't officially a hurricane when it hit land, uh, then that deductible didn't kick in, but the hurricane coverage didn't kick in. Yeah, it, it, it's really strange. I, I just re-upped my insurance, and there was a clause in there, do you want to take out earthquake insurance? And we never had one, but since we had one last year, <laughs> I, for the extra $28 a year, I took you out earthquake know. insurance. Absolutely. So people do have to check with their insurance now after the fact with FEMA to see what FEMA can do. I see in the paper that the deadline for uh, nonprofits and government agencies to apply uh, for FEMA relief has been extended to December 30th, and uh, the best thing is to call. Uh, as you mentioned, people came around. I had a gentleman knock on the door a couple of weeks after the storm, and uh, three people had come out, and they're starting to walk around. A gentleman knocked on the door wearing a big FEMA jacket, ID, and everything. And uh, I started speaking with him. He asked uh, you know, if we had any damage, which, thank God, we didn't. Uh, he handed out a flyer of how to contact FEMA. And he told me that he was sitting in his uh, house with his wife watching what happened in the storm, during the storm. And I don't remember if he was a former FEMA employee who had retired or, or part of another government organization that had retired. And he said to his wife, you know, I have to go and join up and volunteer to be part of the FEMA team to, uh, to go and help the sea because he originally was from New York and understood exactly what was happening. He lives in Seattle, Washington. And he came along with uh, his other, there was somebody else there from Florida and someone, I think, from Tennessee. Those were the three guys that were here. And they just came and, and were helping out door to door and just seeing if anybody needed help. So that was you know, volunteerism is something that is extremely uh, underrated at times. Yeah. But, you know, when people are in emergency, the, the volunteers are priceless. And, Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's what makes all of this uh, destruction Come, shows the best in human beings is the volunteerism that comes out afterwards. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, I, I hope the answer to this will be no, but will there be any uh, tax implications, you think, because of the storm to the not, city not, residents? I mean, not in the city of Elizabeth. There will be the okay. normal uh, budget process. But right. our major damage is the waterfront, which is probably going to be about $17 million to repair. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we've already cleaned up the waterfront. Yes. We've hired a contractor, and the city forces have cleaned up all of the debris but replacing the boardwalk and getting the marina back in shape for the vessels, the boats that come in there, as well as the rest of the park area is going to take some time over a couple of years. But we'll follow the FEMA guidelines. Uh, we'll sure. apply. We'll get 75% back. Oh, we'll bond okay. the rest of the money, and uh, we'll be fine. So is that going to be part of the $60.4 billion that is being requested uh, by Congress now from New York and New Jersey? That, either that or uh, there still is $12 billion in the account. Uh, the oh. federal government has $12 billion in there. It's just that's not going to cover all the damage in New York and New Jersey. Right, of course. So there needs to be extra. So if they're asking for $60 billion plus the $12 billion that's in this year's budget mm-hmm. that was already adopted by Congress, ah. that would be about $72 billion. Okay. So, uh, but that's over a period of time. Right. Nobody expects that money to just drop in the laps of Governor Cuomo and Governor Christie. Well, I mean, it, it would be nice. and. <laughs> 
but that's not going to happen. I mean, if you listen to the state senators uh, in this morning's news, they they said the money has to be given to us now, not over a period of time. We need it now. It's, 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 it's not, not going to happen, happen that way, that way. of course. Yeah, and, There's infrastructure that needs to be built right. up, and that takes years. It's not going to happen immediately. So. You know, we have, we have, you know, we have contract rules in the state. You, know, you have to go out and get bids. Of course. There's emergency stuff that you can do. But beyond that, you know, you got to follow the rules. Right. And you still have to make sure it's done right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there will be people in Washington and FEMA and elsewhere uh, going through these applications with a fine-tooth comb to make sure it's being done right, right and to make sure it's not being done in any other way. Sure. It's easy to say after the fact, you know, hey, you know, have patience. It will be done. When the storm was ravaging, uh, of course, you know, people wanted the power back on right away. And we've never been hit with something like this, like you said. And as much as has been prepared by all the government agencies, it was impossible to to expect something like this and, and really be able to uh, be totally prepared. You can't prepare for every tree that's going to fall down. There was a huge tree down the block which fell, I think it was a spruce, 50-foot spruce tree, fell right in between two houses. Fortunately, did almost no damage to either of the houses because the way the tree fell, it just kind of landed there. And it was gone within a couple of days and you know, taken care of. And again, we got the power back and the city is back. So, you know, what, what more could you want right yeah, now? Yeah, we just got to root for the rest of the state because yeah, they're, they're, they're no struggling question. and... Uh, was the governor in touch with you during during this time? No, he, he really didn't have to be because okay. we, we were not impacted in, in any severe way. Uh, there were updates from the governor's office. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were PSC&G conference calls with mayors at 10 right. o'clock every morning. Uh, JCPL did it in their service area as well. Uh, we, we, we didn't – the state – you know, the governor and his team needed to be in other places as opposed to the city of Elizabeth. Right. What, what kind of marks would you give PSE&G? <laughs> well, I, it's kind of funny. I was I was asked that question in Newsday paper. I don't know whether they ran the story or not, but that was the exact same question I was asked. And I said they did better than uh, JCP&L because <laughs> JCP&L is the absolute worst. Yeah. And I feel for those people that are in a JCP&L service area. And they did better than Irene. But they still have a long way to go to be an organization that can deal with customer complaints and give them mm-hmm. accurate information. They have PSEG has really no infrastructure when it comes to dealing with the customer. Right. Uh, they can deal with the mayor or they can deal with the director of public works. Mm-hmm. But in a mass outage like this, when people are calling the mayor and expecting specific answers and the mayor can't get them from PSEG, and then they call PSEG and and and. Yeah. You know, they they give them conflicting information, like the tree thing I said about earlier. That becomes extremely difficult. I'm sure that's something that you're going to be working on, and all the uh, cities are going to be working on the states. We asked them to work on it after Irene, and obviously they didn't do it. (laughs) do it. So they they really need to come up with an infrastructure of how to deal with phone calls and how to deal with information. PSE&G is woefully behind in that area. Okay, but uh, at least they were able to get... The power back on. Well, they, I got to tell you, the, the people that came in here from out of state and the coordination with PSE&G, while it's not as fast as everybody would like, the power that came back on and when it came back on, it was an extreme relief. I remember when yeah. I got on my block, my neighbor texted me and says, we have power, and I feel like the day that my firstborn was, came around, <laughs> I texted him back. I said, isn't that great? Have a drink for me. I'm yeah, in the yeah. office. <laughs> I, know, I know when your power came back on because every day you would say, uh, the update of the day, and you would say, I'm without power. Uh, uh, and then one day it was like, 
I didn't hear that. It's like, oh, great, yeah, it great, great. was 11 days into it. <laughs> and every day that I do my auto call, I'd say there's still 20,000 people without yeah. power, of which I am one. One, right. <laughs> um, we, had, we had put out a request the few minutes that we have left here uh, this morning. Uh, we put out a request for anybody who had random questions to ask uh, the mayor. And uh, this has to do with uh, security, uh, increased security at the Elizabeth train stations. Uh, now, crime in Elizabeth in general seems to be... Uh, Holding steady, yeah, decreasing. Actually, uh, actually, all the major categories are down <clears throat> around 12 to 18 percent. For I this year? To, I plan to announce oh. that in my January 1st State of the City speech. Great. Great. Uh, all of the major categories in crime are way down this year. Okay. And, uh, the Elizabeth train station is, the design of the Elizabeth train station is 100 years old. It's mm-hmm. a problem security-wise. We have a walking patrolman at times in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Jersey Transit has put aside $50 million for a major rehab of that train station. When is that supposed to take place? uh, It's over time. Okay. Uh, So I'm lobbying for a whole new train station, similar to what they did in Rawway and other parts of the Northeast Corridor, uh, moving the uh, elevator inside, having uh, either access by fingers or access by – because it's become a public urinal for some of the folks who – uh, used the elevator on the outside, mm-hmm. and New Jersey Transit doesn't have the manpower to keep it clean on a constant yeah. basis. Are they responsible for that? They are. Oh, They're oh, responsible oh. for the whole train station area. Okay. We we uh, we have some walking patrols in the area, but because the governor took away the urban enterprise zones uh, funding for municipalities, that walking patrol was paid in that way, and it's, uh-huh. it's been removed. And okay. uh, you know, it, it, it's. In, re- in allocating the resources, the train station is a priority at certain hours because of people sure. that travel back and forth to New York and work. Absolutely, especially with the increase in traffic. It's it's very easy. You hop on the train. I was just on the train oh, we this got week. A, we got a great uh, uh, park there, you know, uh, plaza, so yes. to say. And, yeah. uh, the parking garage is there, and right. there's there's building going around there, and you have the school. Uh, right nearby there in the shopping, so it's a, definitely a hub for people to come in and out. Well, we're working with Kane University and Union County College to try to convert a U- Mars Avenue into a University Boulevard so right. people can travel back and forth and feel comfortable walking. It's it's going to be a couple-year process, but we're hopeful to connect those two schools in a meaningful way for economic development right. was and that jobs the, uh, and safety. Uh, was that the collegiate corridor that you had mentioned? Yeah, University Boulevard, we're Univers- calling it, right. Right, that you mentioned, I think, at last year's State of the... We did, uh, and it's an ongoing process. Excellent. And someone else asked um, about, I don't know if there are rules about this, laws about this, about taxi cabs that don't have seat belts in the back of the cabs. Well, I, you know, I, I'm usually pretty well versed in it. I, think, I don't know, uh, I have to check to see whether that's been mandated. I know there was a, a law that was going through the state legislature to mandate that, and if they're not in the taxi cabs, was there a grace period for them to put them in? Okay. Uh, but it's always good to do an early morning radio show because now I have homework for Monday. <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll, I'll mark that down to check on that also with you in the in the, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, the, uh, you know, the the general state of the uh, of the city is is doing very well after the storm with the businesses. Uh, Selling, as you as you mentioned before, uh, I guess my final question would be, what are you what are you looking for? I know you're going to have the state of the state uh, the state of the city address. Uh, when does that actually take place? Is that it actually on? takes place on January first. First, that's when you're yeah, sworn and in. I'm sworn in that day, and then I do it oh, again. Try to be uh, there. And then I do it again. You're welcome. And then I do it again eight days later for the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Gordon Haas. Gordon Haas, right? Is is, he was there He's with the candle lighting. tickets for that. Absolutely. So it's a fundraiser for <laughs> excellent, for excellent. the chamber, and I do it before the business community of about 300 people on that day. Beautiful. Looking ahead to next year, what is a uh, challenge or particular goal that you want to uh, achieve in the coming year? Well, uh, 
the challenge has probably been multiplied because we don't know what the state's going to do with their budget. I mean, they do give us aid and money, and they took away the urban enterprise zone to fund their budget, which that money helped hire walking police mm-hmm. in certain neighborhoods and train stations and business community. So that's a, a area of funding they took away. And the, the current fight is always, you know, is the state going to take more money away from municipalities to balance their own budget and then leave us – in a way that we have to raise property taxes higher to maintain services. In 20 years that I've been the mayor, you know, we have we we had 1,130 employees when I started, and we have less than 1,100 today. We haven't increased wow. the number of people in 20 years. And technology, we've tried to do the best in making sure that uh, they can do the jobs. And frankly, it, it that's always the challenge. And nobody likes to pay property taxes, or nobody likes to pay increased <laughs> property taxes. It's a real it's always a struggle, and when people ask me, that's probably the biggest thing, is how do we deliver the name, the same amount of services like all of the work we did after Hurricane Sandy at a reasonable level for people to pay taxes? Right, exactly. Well, you have a, you have a big job ahead of you, continuing into your uh, into your sixth term. Congratulations thank again. You. And I want to thank uh, Mayor Christian Bowage of Elizabeth, New Jersey, for joining us this morning on JM Sunday. It's really been a great pleasure and a great honor, and we thank look you. forward to having you again. I would be more than happy to come back. Thank you very much, Mattis. You're welcome. We're going to go to some music now, and, uh, and we'll continue with our show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It is 8.18 here on a Sunday morning, JM Sunday, on the east coast of the United States. And we thank the mayor for joining us. went a little bit longer. I hope he doesn't mind, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get an earful otherwise. But uh, I appreciate very much his coming in. Here is uh, DJ Raids with Club Tons on JM Sunday.
mother lights the candles and she cries and smiles and wipes the teardrops from her eyes. Shabbos is born in our home. I feel the sudden warmth, sudden change of air as we stand there with all the malachim there. If I could only keep this kedusha here and bring the whole world to see.
Mordechai Ben David here on JM Sunday, 8.33 in the morning Eastern Time here in the United States. And uh, we are around the world. I thank again the mayor of Elizabeth, New Jersey, Mayor Chris Bolwage, for joining us this morning live in studio to discuss uh, many of the things going on in the city of Elizabeth and uh, some of the things going around the nation. And joining us at this time, was really, really uh, appreciative uh, that he came this morning. And joined us. We hope to have him on again. And we wish him a happy holiday season with him, uh, to him and his family. And uh, of course, congratulations on his new uh, his new term, which will be starting at the beginning of January. Sixth term as mayor of Elizabeth, the real mayor of Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, we're going to see if we can connect with our Israel correspondent this morning in a few minutes. I uh, I want to play a, an original here. Light One Candle, many of you will know this song, and uh, its origins, and it is from a concert back in 1988. Here is uh, here is Light One Candle from the original. Peter, Paul, and Mary on JM Sunday. To not letting the light go out, to continuing the sense of our commitment to justice in a world in which we need you to remind us and us to sing with this song and in our hearts, light one candle. Pain 
Light one candle here on JM Sunday, 8.38 in the morning on a, of course, a Sunday morning, eighth day of Hanukkah, third day in the month of Teve, 57.73. And uh, we have made a connection with our Israel correspondent today. I want to welcome Hannah Levy-Julian, senior correspondent and an editor for Israel National News, the English Division, who joins us this morning from Israel to talk about the uh, happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning. How are you, Hannah Levy-Julian? Good morning. How are you? Great. Happy Hanukkah to you. And to you on our last day of Hanukkah. Uh, yes, and a uh, new month, new month of Tevet. So uh, happy Rosh Chodesh to you. And a good Chodesh to you as well. I'm the Chodesh of Tevis, just one before Shvat, which in the land of Israel is blooming already, which we're uh, actually a little surprised about. We've had a lot of rain this season, and we're already seeing buds on the trees, which is actually a month early, surprisingly. Wow. So it's a perfect, perfect time to come and visit. Anytime is a perfect Absolutely. time, but... Well, any time is, is perfect time, but this year especially, we're seeing a lot of green, even in the south, which is surprising. Excellent. I know that uh, we're later than usual on the Sunday morning, and uh, time is a bit limited, but uh, why don't you fill us in? I know there have been a couple of things happening over the past week uh, in politics. There's always something happening in Israel. That's right. <laughs> uh, last week, at the end of last week, uh, Foreign Minister Victor Lieberman, who is the head of the Israel Beitenu Party, uh, resigned because he was charged with breach of trust and is also fighting off a charge of uh, fraud. For about 10 years, people have been trying to charge him with various different uh, things, and he finally decided that uh, he would 
resign and would try to clear his name of all of them once and for all. He's also mandated by law to uh, resign once he's been charged and indicted with anything because a minister uh, in the Knesset has to uh, resign uh, from his standing once he's been charged. Um, so he decided to resign and said, and because it's five weeks to the national elections, and making a formal resignation and uh, then challenging with a lawyer then forces a response legally in the country as well. And so he's going to try to clear his name and come back to the elections in time to be reinstated. It's it's a bold move. It's a bold move politically because he's still holding on as head of the um, as head of the Israel Beitenu Party, which has taken partnership with the ruling Likud Party. It's it's a pretty bold move. I was but, going but, to. I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say that uh, pretty much getting the indictment and resigning is pretty much guaranteed that he's going to be running for something in the future. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, he will definitely do that. There's no question he will do that. And he's he's been in the leadership in terms of fighting terrorism from day one. So he, he's a fighter. He'll be back. I'm, He'll be back. I'm sure that in this uh, time of Hanukkah, we, we are, besides, of course, the, the joy and happiness of the holiday, we remember what the holiday represents and... Uh, the fact that um, our soldiers defeated the other soldiers. So um, I'm, I'm sure that you're very happy to hear over there that uh, there is a unity among the, uh, the Palestinian groups. Uh, I'm sure it's a positive. Uh, I'm sure it's a positive step out there that uh, you had somebody visiting to the West Bank that hasn't been there in a, in a long time. What did I hear? It was a demonstration of um, absolute uh, unity with uh, you know forging ahead with a peace process. Or did I get that wrong? Uh, well, the unity that we have is four different terrorist groups pulling together to become one council of terror. Um, there is a positive in that. The positive is that they've taken off the masks and uh, they've uh, decided to take off the velvet gloves and show themselves for who they are. Um, we have always known who they are, but now the rest of the world might actually come to know that as well, which is kind of nice. Um Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded to it. He was at the Kotel uh, last night, and in his opening remarks at the Cabinet this morning, he referred to that and and said uh, last night he lit the Hanukkah candle, the eighth Hanukkah candle, uh, from the closest possible place to the spot where the miracle of the jar of oil took place. Uh, and he said, I quote, I actually touched the Western Wall, and I said it there, and I say it here. The Western Wall is not occupied territory. This was as the Palestinian Authority keeps insisting. They keep referring to the, the Kotel as occupied territory, it being located in the area that was restored to the uh, Jewish capital in 1967. As Netanyahu said, and I quote, the Western Wall is ours. It symbolizes the foundation of our existence here for thousands of years. We will stand steadfast in the face of all those who want to expel us from here. The state of Israel, Jerusalem, and the Western Wall will remain ours forever, unquote. 
pretty powerful, pretty powerful words. I, I think that the, the, the terms should change. Uh, the area is occupied. It is occupied by Jews and has been, as you said, for thousands of years. So, you know, embrace that. If anybody uses the term occupied, yes, yes, it's occupied. We occupy it. We have occupied it. And we're going to continue to occupy it. I would say offhand we're indigenous at this point. I don't even think we need to use the term occupied. That's, that's anyway. absolutely true. We're indigenous. Uh, over the week, <laughs> over the week, though, the mood in Israel uh, was certainly uh, festive with with Hanukkah. Everybody celebrates it, and uh, you know it's a very joyous occasion. Absolutely upbeat. Uh, the, in Tel Aviv, uh, there was a menorah that was projected by laser uh, onto the Ariel Sharon Park. You know, it's a landfill. And they projected, they laser projected a menorah that was 100 meters wide, and the laser projection could be seen 10 miles high in the air. You could see it from the Tel Aviv-Jerusalem highway, and you could also see it uh, if you were departing Ben-Gurion International Airport as you flew out of the airport and into the sky. Wow. I'll yeah. bet you you could see it from Aza. I bet you, you could see it from Aza and the West Bank. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Certainly uh, it's not lost. Not lost on anyone. Well, I know it's a, a bit short this morning because our our time is late. But I want to thank you, Hannah Levy Julian, for joining us this morning from Israel to give us an update on what's going on. We look forward uh, to joining with you next week, which uh, is uh, won't be Hanukkah. It'll actually be a fast day next uh, next week. The tenth day of Tevet, uh, so we look forward that means to work. I'll be able to get rid of the calories I had this week. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, well, the sufganiot and the and the latkes, uh, but uh, but that would be great. But thank you again for joining us. Uh, happy. Uh, you have just a couple of hours left until the uh, yes. chag is uh, over. So chagurim sameach to you, and uh, thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Be well. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is 8.46 in the morning here on a JM Sunday. We're going to be continuing with music. Here is um, Maccabees on JM Sunday. I'll tell a tale, 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 yeah. Of Maccabees in Israel, hell, 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 yeah. When the Greeks tried to assail, sell, 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 yeah. But it was all to no avail, fail, 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 yeah, yeah. The war went on and on and on until the mighty Greeks were gone, yeah. I'm in my life just in the air sometimes, saying it. Just wanna celebrate for 
Sam Glazer from across the river, we light the lights. It's a happy birthday to Sam Glazer. I believe it's today, so if you see him out there, please wish him a happy birthday from all of us at JM Sunday. And that is uh, that is today. Uh, don't forget that the stream continues today with great encore programming from the previous week. 
And uh, tomorrow morning, Nachum Siegel with the JM and the AM, bright and early, 6 a.m. on the stream and at 91.1 FM on the radio dial. And uh, following JM and the AM tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, Mayor Weingarten with The Israel Show. Check out and like his Facebook page by the same name. Just look up uh, Israel Show on Facebook. You'll find it there and check it out. We had a great time this Shabbos. Uh, Mayor spent uh, the Shabbos with us here, and we thoroughly enjoyed, as we always do. And we look forward to hearing that show tomorrow morning. He'll have all the great segments, including the uh, Hebrew segment. So listen in. If you get a chance, go to our Facebook page, JM Sunday, and uh, like that. And we are increasing the likes as we continue to grow here on JM Sunday. My thanks again to Mayor Chris Bowage of Elizabeth, New Jersey for joining us live in studio, uh, answering a lot of questions, discussing the uh, the aftermath of the storm, among other things, and the uh, state of the city of Elizabeth. We hope to have him on again after the beginning of the uh, new year. Uh, we really appreciate his taking the time out to join us this morning. You can go to the archives later on today and catch uh, an archive uh, program, uh, archive copy of this show, if you haven't heard anything, if you missed anything, if you want to hear it again. And uh, we rebroadcast uh, 12 midnight tonight, J.M. Sunday. So in the meantime, wish everybody a happy Hanukkah. We look forward to seeing you next week on J.M. Sunday. And don't forget to keep it tuned to the stream and J.M. and the AM all week long. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Have a frail and rest of Hanukkah.